Let's uh, let's read verses uh, Titus two verses eleven and twelve, um, and I'm gonna include thirteen, just because. I mean that extends a little bit of that sentence there, because. Um, but before reading eleven, I'm gonna just read um, chapter two verse one, uh, and then jump down to eleven. Okay, so two one. And then Paul talks about all the people, older men, older women, so forth, and then down to 11. So it's, so starting with verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. <clears throat> it's hard to know where to stop there because it just kind of, <laughs> you kind of want to keep reading, but we're looking at 11 and, and 12 here this morning. So, um, and as Mike mentioned before class started here, um, and the reason I went back to verse one, um, before we get into question one of, of lesson eight, we just kind of want to notice um, that this, this verse starts with the word for, and we, we kind of have to, um, understand what's, um, what that's referring to. It, it refers back, right? Um, if I just started a, uh, a, a speech with the word for, um, maybe missing the previous context. So, um, I think that, uh, and that's why I went back to verse one. I think that this reaches back to verse one, um, because that's where, uh, Paul introduces to Titus, um, you need to speak these, all these things, uh, which are fitting for sound doctrine. Um, and then he addresses, uh, you know, older men, older women, uh, slaves, free, so forth. Um, and, and then he gets down here and, um, He's, he's giving the, the reason that, that Titus can, uh, teach this, uh, these, th- these things that are fitting, uh, for sound doctrine. And it's almost like Paul is saying, Titus, you can teach believers these things about how they, uh, ought to live, um, because of this fact, the fact that grace, the grace of God has appeared. Um, and, and, and on no other basis, really. That's what Mike, Mike said at the beginning there. Grace, grace is the basis. So, um, and you'll notice there in, in verse 11, uh, that salvation is to all men. And, uh, and so Paul just went through all these different categories of men, um, men and women, old and young. And, and the reason that Titus can, can, uh, um, teach these things to all men uh, is because grace has appeared to all men. So I just wanted to kind of preface uh, the questions with that, but uh, let's look at question number one. Um, so this is a, I love this kind of a question because, you know, depending on your group, you could get some, you could get uh, some interesting responses, but it says because a believer now is totally free from the law, does it mean that he can sin with impunity? 
So yeah, if anyone had that opportunity yeah, to think about it. The obvious answer is no, but everybody's afraid to say it. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you guys are afraid to say it because you guys have been taught grace for so long. You know, I mean, um, you, you know, a, a lot of people are, are going to get pretty, pretty heated with a question like this, right? Um, they, they want, they don't want freedom from law at all, right? So, I mean, there, a lot of people are hung up before you even get to that first comma in the question. Right, because a believer is now totally free from the law. Um, so, so that's a hurdle that a lot of people have to cover, uh, you know, before they can even get to the question of, you know, the Romans six one. What what should we say then? Should we go on continue in sin so grace may increase? Um, we've been dealing with uh, Romans six and now into seven a little bit um, in our Wednesday night group here, and um, you know, it's uh, we're 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 teaching uh, people that are a lot like myself come out of a pretty, uh, you know, legalistic background. Um, there's some major, major hurdles involved in the whole idea of, of grace. So um, I, I think like I, I, I kind of put down a couple of sort of out, out on questions here. It's like, can um, kind of same, same question just said a different way. Can we get away with anything we want as believers? Um and, uh, you know, it's an interesting question, right? Because what does grace, what does grace mean? What does grace entail? Um, <clears throat> you know, we have something, we have something new as believers, right? Um, we have this new nature and it comes with new desires. Um, you know, we have this, this drive or this, this compelling, um, uh, against, against sin. Um, but, uh, but then, and I was listening to, uh, I think especially the consecration lesson, true consecration by Miles Stanford. And, uh, and it really, really dealt with this quite well. Um, because in, in the process of time, what the Lord is, is teaching us is that we, you know, we can't carry this out. We may have this, this new desire. Um, we may have this new compulsion, you know, um, but, but we, but we cannot, we can't do it. We're totally incapable of producing this new life in and of ourselves. Um, and we, uh, we begin to find out that the old man can't produce anything but sin. Mike was telling me on the phone yesterday, you can, if I, I don't know if I have this exactly right, but, uh, the, the secret is to realize that the old man refuses to do nothing. And, uh, and that's pretty key, you know, um, the old man doesn't, not gonna sit there and, and, and do nothing. So, um, so w- as much as we may have this new desire, you know, against sin and, and, uh, towards godliness, we just can't, we can't carry it out. Hey, Miles. Right? Go ahead. Do you think, um, you think all believers have to, Go through that, the experience of realizing that they can't control sin. Because I, the reason I ask that question is because if I'm in a, a law-based environment or church or fellowship group or there, that, that, that's the hope that's been 
held out that, that, that I will be able to, by implementing uh, obedience in my life, be able to deal with sin. So, I mean, there's so many believers that try to live under the, a law-based system. Um, yeah. Eventually, the, I mean, eventually it would seem to me that they would wake up and say, well, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. So, I, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I was listening to something by Chester McCauley this last week, and he um, he, he, said, he talked about legalistic concept of grace and, and says grace grace enables me to keep the law um, and and so you get concepts like that you know ideas like that that there's something you know there's some there's some system that's going to you know enable me to keep the law and uh, and it'll be different different things um, different programs different ideas different systems different uh, um you know, it, why does why does every almost every Reformed Covenant um, type sermon end with a challenge? You know, man, I mean, some some churches, if if the sermons don't end with a challenge, you know, um, he's a dud. You know, he can't. Uh, and uh, and the problem with that is is really all that can do, all that challenge can do, is um, you know what I mean by challenge? Is that kind of a a, a Christianese term that's everywhere, you know, to challenge the the congregation to go out there and live for God, right? To go out there and pull up your bootstraps, do your best, and and put on some works, and and, and you know, and and do this thing. And um, you know, frankly, the flesh. I, I've come to realize that's what that's what really tickles the ears. That's what the flesh really likes to hear. Is you know. I want you to tell me to get out there and work hard and do something and and make myself make myself pleasing, you know. And and I, I back to your question, Mike. I, I think it is I think it is important that that the believer comes to realize, you know, that that uh, in my flesh dwells no good thing, you know. Um, I think that's a pretty important pretty important step uh, stage in, in growth. But yeah, if you're in that environment growing up, let's say, like like uh, my my experience is Catholicism. You know, f- for quite a few years before I took a pass on Catholicism, I in my mind and my heart I had already taken the pass because I I knew I couldn't live up to what they were laying down. I couldn't do it, and mm-hmm. so you keep up appearances for a while. But then you find out, you find compadres in, within your denomination who feel, feel the same way. So you go out and do sins together. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's different than, than most other denominational backgrounds, you know? Yeah. Um, and my, yeah. Miles, I, I think you hit, you know, it's, it's really the flesh wants to do something. So mm-hmm. whenever something comes up, the flesh is all for it. And, you know, that's why, you know, in the Christian bookstores, all it is is about things that for you to do. You know, and yeah. the next program, it's, you know, the purpose-driven life. It's the prayer of Jabez. It's, you know, 
whatever mm-hmm. the program du jour is. They just figure something else out. And, you know, yeah. I think for, you know, before really understanding, you know, the identification truths and all that and, and, it, you know, I, I said, it said, I think you had a flat forehead from hitting the wall so many times, you know, and then you move on to the next program and the next program. And then, you know, the flesh just keeps, you know, egging you on to do something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, 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 you, you quoted the six, one and two, but in, uh, 15, you know, what is it? Same thing, Romans six fifteen. what then should we sin? Because we're not under law, but under grace may never yep. be. And as you go down, Further, it says, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. And I think that's the key right there is that, you know, the weakness is that our flesh just wants to do something. And if, if you don't know that, you know, reckon yourself dead unto sin and alive unto God, you're just right in, right in there thinking it's, it's a great thing. It's positive. It's, you know, I'm, I'm doing something, you know, the prayer of Jabez or the purpose driven life or whatever mm-hmm. feels really good because it has a Christian tint to it. And, you know, it's just the flesh being satisfied. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it does feel really good to the flesh to be, to be active and doing, doing something, you know, whatever. Like, I, yeah. I've got a couple of thoughts. Yep. Um, so your question was, can we get away with anything? Great. Yeah, getting back to the core here. Let's do it. Okay. So let's just dive into that for just a minute. Um, first of all, verse 11 is talking about the fact that not only salvation was available, but uh, the grace of God. So the, the grace of your creator was made evident to you. We know that there are other things that have been made evident to us. We look at Romans 1, we see divine nature, uh, all, you know, we, we know that the Lord has made himself evident in, in a multitude of ways, but here Titus is talking about not only he, he uses the grace of God and he also, and it's appeared, so it's been made evident. So it's been revealed and it's bringing salvation to all men who would obviously acknowledge that, right? Um, we know that all men are not saved. However, the grace of God has appeared to all men, and it brings salvation to all men. But then it switches to verse 12, and I'm, I'm probably jumping ahead to multiple questions, but it does get pretty specific about instructions and about um, living and how that life is is lived, and it goes into... Uh, the fact that that life is righteous and it is godly. And so it would be, it would be fairly easy to build a workspace perspective around this had God's grace not appeared. But that's the key. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And, And that's where we're wrongly interpreting grace. You know, everybody has to deal with the word grace. You know, uh, Mike, you know, the Roman Catholics, they use grace all the time. Everybody uses the word grace, but they, they kind of import different meaning into it, right? Um, and, and if grace is just the enablement, uh, of, of the Lord, and, and usually we'll tack the power of the Holy Spirit onto that. Um, but we'll say that, you know, grace means that God enables me to do this and do that, but, but it's still, um, just language wrapped around um, the self-life, you know, me doing it. And um, I have a but, question. Yeah. 
well, getting away with anything, uh, we, we know that not to be the case, but I'm just curious, how does God's grace appear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we will, we were going to talk about that in, uh, question four, is it? But, no, I but, didn't uh, know. <laughs> or somewhere around yeah. there. Or it's kind of three and four. Yeah, yeah. How does it appear? Yeah. Which is really, really important because, yeah, I mean, as, as we kind of slow down and, and dissect verses like this, you know, little, like word by word, um, yeah, we don't want to get lost in, in the details because how did that grace appear? That's, that's what gives us an, a correct understanding of grace, you know, is understanding just how did it come? How did it appear? What is the, the clear revelation of grace? Um, that's what gives us a, a proper understanding. So, and, and it's probably fine to, to jump ahead and answer that question a little bit now. It, it, it appeared in Christ, right? The, the grace of God, um, uh, appeared. Um, if we, if we look down in, in chapter three, Verse four of Titus says, but when the kindness of God, our savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. So is a connect, connected kind of thought there. That's really connected to, um, to this grace appearing here. It, it has to do with our savior, uh, the, the, the man, the, the God man, Christ Jesus. Um, it's not just a, it's not just a principle. Um, you know, grace, grace is connected to the person, Jesus Christ. That's, that's where it's sourced, who he is and, and what he's done. Um, and so the question, you know, in, in a sense, the question, can, can, uh, a believer, uh, get away with sin or, or can he sin with impunity? Uh, I mean, in, in a way, it kind of, um, it, you know, it's, I, I mean, I guess we could ask the question, can the old man, do anything but sin? No, that's kind of the question we've answered here so far, right? The, the old, the old man, the self-life, good or good or evil, it's all sin, right? It's all unacceptable to God. Um, so, kind of the question: Can he get away with that? Like, well, I mean, uh, it's all it's already been dealt with. It's already been dealt with. Um, you know, it's already condemned and judged at the cross. Um, so we can, we can live temporally in, in sin, um, you know, uh, not recognizing or, you know, that it's, that it's, it's, uh, it's already been judged. Um, but, uh, um, but the the thing for a believer, I think, I think this is maybe important here to, to, uh, understand is that, uh, what God does for us in response to um, to sins that we that we may commit as, as believers when we're in sin, it's it's not a um, it's it's not a uh, well let's uh, let's say it like this. I, I wrote down here: God's discipline is not corrective; it is instructive. So uh, it, hopefully that makes sense. Because the, the old man cannot be corrected, right? The old man um, must be dealt with by death alone, right? So we can't. So when the Lord disciplines for sin, it's not it's not corrective um, in that sense. It's instructive because the believer must be instructed as to the new life that is his in Christ. Does, it, do, does that make sense? What I'm saying? I was kind of trying to choose those words carefully. I mean, we tend That's to, true. you know, I've never heard that before. Put that way. 
Me neither. That's, I'm not sure where it came from. But that is very that's very insightful. You can't correct what you've been separated from, but you can instruct. And obviously in verse 12, that's what grace does. Is it instructs you. Yeah. That's really interesting. I would, I like, yeah. I would add, uh, Miles, that, uh, um, When you get to Romans uh, 6.14, where it uh, says, uh, For sin shall not have master over you, because you're not under law, but under grace. It tells you two things. One is, I have a new master. I have a new controlling. And the second thing it tells me is that this is the thing that will deal with sin. This is the one thing that will deal with sin. No law will deal with sin. But grace can. It can yeah. put, it, as you study through Romans 6, it's the one thing that can put great, uh, put sin out of business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. I, I, I wrote down here that, um, uh, what, what God does for us as, as believers is he, um, uh, for, first, I think he brings, you know, the old word chastening. You know, or, or discipline. He brings that into our lives to, to teach us about the self-life, the life of the old man, to, to, to show us what that, what's going on there. And, and then gradually over time and, and takes a very, very long time. He shows us that by grace, we've been taken out of a, a system where self is the active force. And he shows us that we are now in a relationship where Christ is the one who animates our, our being. Um, he's our, he is our life. So we're, we're taken out of that, that system, um, where self, uh, self is the acting force and he, and he shows us the, the relationship that we now have, um, with Jesus Christ who is, who is our life. So that, so that question of can a believer get away with anything? Well, you, you know, you do something, um, the Lord's going to use that. You know, if it was, if it was sourced in the old man, if it was out of the self, um, he's going to, um, be at work to reveal that to you, to show you that this is not, this is not, not sourced in Christ. And it may hurt a little bit. It may, it may feel like discipline, but it's not, um, he's not trying to change that old man, you know, it's not that, it's not that kind of sense. Um, cause a lot of times when we ask the question, can a believer get away with anything? We say, no, God won't let you get it. He's gonna, he's gonna correct you. Well, he's not correcting your old man. He's, he, he maybe, we can maybe use the word correction in the sense that correcting my understanding, you know, that, that you're not, um, uh, you know, you're no longer a, a slave to that, to that old nature. Miles, a couple things. Yeah. You know, I think. Going back to the six one and six fifteen and that, I, I think I think the the intent of those is almost the um, a continuing sin or mm-hmm. or a purposeful one that you know you're under grace, so I'm going to do it. And it's the mm-hmm. attitude that he's dealing with here. I think in, in fifteen one and and fifteen, it's like wow, I'm under grace, so I can do anything I want. So. I, He's saying that may it never be, but 
I, I think, and you, you kind of hit on it, it's the instructive part in it, that God allows us to sin. And, and why does he do that? And I think it's what you said, it's instructive. That yeah. you're not, and then it goes down to, you know, first John one nine where we're confessing. It's we're not acting and all that is is saying we're not acting as who we are in Christ, as who our life is. And and it's the instructive part that he allows us to sin, so we realize that we're not doing that, we're not acting as who we are in Christ. But Again, it goes to the fact that he allows us to do it. And I think a lot of Christians get beat up by the fact that, you know, that the sin and, and they keep dwelling on that part of it. And it's, and it's like, no, all the sins have been paid for. And yeah. first John 9 is, I confess I'm not acting who I am. But still, he paid for all those and move on. Yeah. And, and don't dwell on that sin. But I think the, the, what Paul is, Basically, in 1 and 15, it's a continuous. He's addressing an attitude that, yeah, I can do this because of. And, right. and it's not yeah. The, yeah. the sin that uh, every believer has, you know, because we still have sin in the flesh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think the, um, the discipline that the Lord may enact in regards to sin in our lives is, is not judgment of sin, because that is complete at the cross. That's, that's done once for all at the cross, right? Um, and, uh, and, 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 and that's where I, I think until you really understand grace, you, you probably don't, maybe in a way you don't really ask that. Sorry, am I cutting out? I just got a note that my no. internet is unstable. Okay. All right. Um, you're good. Okay. Um, you almost can't come. You almost can't come to that Romans six one and six fifteen kind of question until you do understand grace. Here, wait a second. It's completely judged. There's no, you know, like I, I cannot be judged for my sin anymore. Nope, you can't. It's done on the cross. Well, then I may as well do whatever I want. And and I and I, I kind of come to that conclusion. You know, saying that, that that until you know you, you're not you haven't really understood grace until your mind is going to kind of take that step into that question well then i could do whatever i want and then and you almost have to reach that point before you're ready to understand that that romans 6 truth of your of your identity with christ in his death you know um but if you haven't understood grace yet for what it is you're not really ready for that that life union uh truth with christ i think that's good miles because i think uh the law it tries to give you the motivation not to do something or to do something you think is righteous and it's, it's academic. It's, there's no reward in it really other than, but when you start to learn how gracious God really is, mm-hmm. starting with salvation, starting with salvation in terms of deserving it, there's no deserving it whatsoever. And that the way to salvation is by a mechanism that is totally not, um, you can't, you can't say I did. And God uh, responded by giving me salvation. Cause all the, all the value is in what God did. And when I begin to understand that my whole life, everything that I have to deal with and do and 
everything is on a grace basis that it, it creates a greater motivation to not um, be involved with sin than law ever could. It, it's a huge motivator because, you know, when even in uh, human relationships, when someone really loves you, you don't want to do anything that would harm them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I noticed um, in those Miles Stanford tapes, um, he talks about the life motive. Yeah, and I, I really kind of latched onto that this last yeah. week here. The life motive. It's uh, it's beyond the love motive. It's beyond the gratitude motive. It's it's uh, it's life. Well, we we are basically at time, and <laughs> just realized we only finished question one. Uh, <laughs> But, but I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do, question number two says define grace. And, uh, so I'm gonna leave you with a quote that Alyssa came across by Andy Woods this week. And it's because it ties into what we've been talking about. And I know we always use the Chester Macaulay definition and that I, I, I love and I use and it's in my notes here. But this little quote is by Andy Woods is great. He says, religion attempts to climb to God, whereas grace recognizes the impossibility of approaching God on our own merit. That's not a definition of grace, but it's a good, um, good little, um, contrast between, uh, grace and, uh, and religion, which is, can you say that one more time? Yep. Yep. I can text it out later too. Uh, religion attempts to climb to God, whereas grace recognizes the impossibility of approaching God on our own merit. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, all those distortions of grace that we talked about really just turn grace, uh, distort grace and turn it into some, some way that I can, uh, approach God based on my merit. And, and we have to, we have to get that thinking clear. Grace means that no, there was nothing, nothing you could do to get to God. Grace was the only, the only way. And, and it's based, going back to Chester's definition is based totally on the, uh, work of Christ on the cross. So, yeah, I was trying to find one real quick. There's one recently in uh, Hungry Heart, and I think it yeah, I've probably misquoted, but it says the law the the law says love God, grace says God loves. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I, think I think I remember reading that. Yeah, I think that, that was pretty succinct. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great. Well, yep. I know that I know you want to close real quick here, but uh, one of the things I really am interested about in these verses is the instructing. Yeah, I'm very curious about uh, our discussion around how grace instructs. Yes. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Uh, yeah. I've got some. Well, I think they're great notes, but I, <laughs> yeah, they're your notes. They're great. I've got some exciting stuff. Yeah, I've been I've been studying that and preparing for that. So we're gonna. I guess next time we'll get into that. So let's go. Awesome. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace. Um, Lord, we uh, we pray that you would continue to uh, just clear up our thinking in in regards to your grace. Um, it's so easy to um, distort it and contaminate it with ideas of of uh, of the flesh. Um, we're so in our in our self we're so um eager to to uh make ourselves pleasing to you in some way shape or form but lord we're so um 
so in need of, of understanding your grace, uh, for what it is. And, and, uh, we just pray that, um, that that would, that would become more clear to us, um, through, through your word. And Lord, we pray for, uh, just continued clarity in, in this passage as we continue to, uh, dwell on it and study it in the upcoming, uh, weeks. And, uh, Lord, we just, just thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.